as you are able, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we've just heard, we are approaching a weighty text today. It's a text about judgment, a text that warns us to be awake, to be ready for the coming of our King, for we do not know when he will return. We know that he will return, but we don't know when he will return. So the text urges us this morning to be alert and awake. But Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit that right now you would awaken believers' hearts to know this truth, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has been killed, or the law has been killed by the spirit and the work of Jesus on the cross. And, and those of us who were once condemned, we are not condemned anymore in Christ. So Father, we pray as we hear this message of judgment that we would be awakened to the fact that as believers, we're free from that judgment. So God, help us now to hear this word and to be ready to dress ourselves in the righteousness of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I still remember the day that my beautiful wife said, I do. June 16th, 2001, a very beautiful Saturday afternoon, I stood trembling with fear at the altar of the Hyman First Baptist Church in eastern Kentucky with the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, and my pastor, eagerly awaiting for my beautiful fiance to come bursting through those doors and to meet me out at the altar so we could say I do and I can say that is my woman. 
in the name of Jesus. As we united in holy matrimony. Admittedly, we had several challenges in front of us, as many young couples do. But I thought, have it all figured out, and I was ready for all the challenges and the responsibilities that awaited us as a married couple until my dear pastor said something along these lines as my beautiful fiance came walking down the aisle. Brother, here she comes, ready or not. <laughs> not very encouraging in that moment. <laughs> well, this text, in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, Jesus urges us to be ready do you feel the urgency this morning, folks? Just so that you know, if I ask you a question, you have permission to give me an answer, all right? You got to help me this morning. Do you feel the urgency of the text? Yes. And he tells us in this text to be ready, not for some ordinary wedding, but be ready for the coming of the king. Because there's a day coming at the end of history when Jesus Christ will return from heaven to earth and he will judge the world, ready or not. This passage occurs in two very important judgment texts in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me set our passage in context for a moment. In Matthew chapter 24, and 25, these chapters are largely about judgment. And in chapter 24, the first part, Jesus predicts the judgment that is to come upon Jerusalem because of her unbelief that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And that judgment came in the first century when the Romans marched in and burned down the Jerusalem temple. But in Matthew 24, there's another element of judgment that Jesus predicts. He predicts that day when he will come, the Son of Man will come from heaven to earth and judge the world, judge everybody who did not repent and follow and love Jesus faithfully until the end that is coming. Matthew 24, verses 50 to 51, hear what Jesus says. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you feel why he's urgent, Matthew 25? Do you feel it? There's judgment coming. Another example, this context of our parable this morning, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus tells another parable about judgment when he talks about the parable of the talents. And you probably remember from the sermon weeks ago that the worthless fellow in this parable did not steward his talent well, 25, 18 tells us. As a result, he received his master's wrath. 
Consequently, the master says in 25 verse 30, and cast out that worthless fellow into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Feel the imagery there, by the way. Judgment is described as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then in 25, 31 to 46, Jesus applies this parable to us by talking about his second coming and the judgment that will come upon those who do not follow him faithfully until the end. Are you still with me, folks? The sermon's not mad. There's good news, but there's also some bad news. And here's the bad news. Judgment's coming. Here's the good news. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the good news. Therefore, because we have been justified by faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we stand in the hope of the glory of God because Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for our sin. The wrath of God is coming, but we're free from that wrath today if we know Jesus. But if we don't know Jesus, there's judgment coming that will swallow us up. And no one can withstand that judgment unless he or she is found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So it's in that context that we get Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 14, verses 1 through 13. This parable is a parable of judgment. We have 10 versions in this parable. Five are foolish and five are wise. The foolish ones are unprepared for the coming of the groom. The wise ones are prepared for the coming of the groom. The message of the parable is very simple. Here it is. Here's the main point of the sermon right here. Community group leaders. <laughs> Those who follow Jesus Christ until the end will enter the kingdom of heaven. And those who do not follow him faithfully until the end will not. Notice chapter 25, verse 13. Therefore, be alert. You see that? Be alert and be awake. Let's walk through the passage together. Notice first in verse one, the parable begins, 25 verse one, saying, the kingdom of heaven will be similar to 10 virgins who will go out to meet the groom, taking their own lamps. Jesus is telling us who is in the kingdom of heaven and who is out of the kingdom of heaven. Those who are in the kingdom of heaven are those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Those who are out are those who do not. Let me say it this way. 
You're not in the kingdom of heaven based on your intellect or your education. You are an educated fool today if you don't know Jesus. If you only have a GED in this world or no degree at all, if you know Jesus, you are wise today. And you're in the kingdom. Let me say a word about the kingdom of heaven for a moment. This phrase, kingdom of heaven, is very important for Matthew. He also uses the phrase kingdom of God, but he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven the most. In fact, he's the only gospel writer to use the phrase kingdom of heaven. So there's a question for you, what is it? I think basically the kingdom of heaven refers to this, God's sovereign rule over everyone and everything in heaven and on the earth. The creation is the Lord's and everything in it, right? He oversees, governs, upholds, sustains everything for his glory because he is the creator and the owner and the ruler over everything. But here's what's very important for Matthew. God's sovereign rule over everything invaded this world when Jesus Christ, God's son, became a man. Don't you dare think for one moment that Jesus Christ is some ordinary man. He's not an ordinary man. He's the God man, right? And when this God man entered into Mary's womb via the Holy Spirit, by the miracle of God, he brought heaven to earth. And he disrupted the current evil age and his status quo disrupted it by bringing God's kingdom to earth and calling a people into that kingdom who will reign with the king forever. It's basically what the kingdom of heaven is about, I think, in Matthew. And Jesus invites us today to enter into that kingdom. Here's a question. We'll get to the 10 virgins in a moment, but here's a question. Are you in the kingdom? You're not in the kingdom just because you're naturalized in America, right? You're in the kingdom if you're naturalized via faith in Jesus and cleansed in his blood. You have a spiritual naturalization, right? If you don't have that, you're not in the kingdom. So notice these virgins. First 12 verses, we see the foolish virgins are not ready to honor the groom. So notice the story. He moves on and he says in verse 1, the kingdom is like this. Ten virgins took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and the other five were wise. Here's why they were wise. Not because they had a PhD. They were wise because they took their lamps and they had oil with them. Verse 5, the bridegroom was delayed. Then they all became drowsy, drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight, verse 6, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Verse eight, and the foolish said to the wise, basically, help us out. We're not prepared. And the wise said, I don't think so. This is not a parable about sharing. This is a parable about judgment. (laughs) Verse nine, The wise said, since there would not be enough for us and for you, you go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy for the bridegroom, or rather to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Now notice verse 11. After the 11, or after the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Tragic words in this story. Verse 12 is where we get, I think, words of judgment. When the words were, I do not know you. Understand something about this parable. This is not a parable about an American wedding. (laughs) It was a Jewish wedding. And they knew how to celebrate weddings. Just read the Gospel of John, right? It probably lasted seven days. And one thing about the wedding was that you never knew when the groom would show up to meet his bride, to lead her in procession with the wedding party to celebrate the wedding. And what we see from the parable is those who were not prepared, the foolish ones, they were shut out. And the groom says to them, the reason is because I don't know you. Perhaps you know people, don't you? I know people like this. They know who you are. But when they see you in public, they shame you, don't they? They don't know you anymore. You know people like that? I know people like that. They get on my nerves. (laughs) You know you know me. Why aren't you looking me in the eye and saying hi to me just because you're hanging out with so-and-so? At the conference. In this context, to have the door shut in their faces was shame. It was an honor-shame community. And shame comes from those within the community to those within the community who are not meeting the standards of the community. And when the groom says, I don't know you, he means you're dead to me. You weren't prepared. Tragic words. These words are similar to what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and following. Do turn there so you can see this with me and notice the parallel. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives these remarks to those who would be, would be disciples and followers of the kingdom. The remarks pertain to who is in the kingdom and who is out of the kingdom. And Jesus says in verse 21, not everyone, 721, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will, hear that. You're not in the kingdom of heaven just because you checked some theological boxes this morning. The demons believe in the deity of Jesus and they perish, right? You're in the kingdom of heaven, yes, if you believe the right things. And how do you know you believe the right things? You do the will of God. You follow him. Imperfectly, yes, but imperfect obedience is better than no obedience, right? 
But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, notice verse 22, on that day many people, people with seminary degrees are going to be standing before him hearing these words. Preachers who deny the resurrection of Jesus will stand before him and hear these words that he's going to speak in a moment. Many will say to me on that day, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, yes, you did. <laughs> but I don't know you, verse 23. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, why would he say that? It's not because he's letting these people live their lives deceived. It's because they don't follow Jesus faithfully. They honor him with their words, but their hearts are evil. God's not promised salvation to anybody just because you know a lot of stuff, right? Just because you preach expositional sermons, just because you have good Bible studies, those are all great. But he's promised eternal life to those who know him. Have a relationship with them. Do you have a relationship with Jesus today, folks? And I'm not talking about a Sunday-only relationship. I'm talking about a fighting with Jesus, sitting with Jesus in your prayer closet, calling out to him kind of relationship. Jesus says, I don't know you. Even though you preached me. Think of Judas. I would imagine Judas preached some good sermons. Probably cast out a demon or two. Jesus doesn't know him. So in Matthew 25, back to the parable, the point I want you not to miss here is that Jesus Christ will cast out those who do not faithfully follow him until the end into eternal judgment. Hear this carefully. Again, I want to remind you, there's good news today. Are you a sinner? Good news. Jesus died for your sins. He loves sinners. He does not like hypocritical righteous people. He loves sinners. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Praise God, I am sick. And Dr. Jesus has the, uh, some medicine for me. It's true for you. But also understand this. The word of God is our faith in Jesus shows itself by obedience, doesn't it? And obedience means we follow him faithfully until we drop dead or until he returns. Otherwise, we'll suffer judgment. Now, I'm going to show you something about the exhortation to be alert here in a moment, but just hear these two thoughts. Hear these two thoughts. Number one, Jesus wants your life. He doesn't just want Sunday morning. Oh, he wants that too. He wants everything about who you are and who I am. He wants my thoughts. He wants my aspirations. He wants your time, your money. He bled for the whole person and for the cosmos, for the world. He wants it all because he owns it all. So a word from God is, brothers and sisters, if we are apathetic spiritually this morning as Christians, if we are shrinking back from faithfulness, fall upon the mercy of God today. 
and ask Jesus to forgive you and renew your faith. We all go through seasons, don't we? I know I do, of being spiritually lethargic. Gosh, can I be vulnerable for a moment? May I? There are times I come to church and I feel like I am that close to walking away from Jesus. And I hear Pastor Jamal preach the word and I hear the worship leaders sing the word and I close my mouth and listen to the saints singing the word. And I'm in community group on Thursday and I'm sitting in living rooms listening to stories about how God is transforming lives and the spirit uses that and says, I'm with you. And he holds on to me, keeps me and uses those means to help me turn from my sin. Are you there this morning? There's mercy there this morning. You don't have to die in your sin if you are a believer. You don't have to be addicted to pornography if you are a believer. You don't have to disrespect your wife or your husband if you are a believer. You can honor Jesus with your life and the power of the Spirit. It's the second thought. Jesus wants every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about that. Your life, Christians, is a personification. It's living out before the world the gospel of King Jesus. And you could be a means by which dead sinners come to life you're living your life faithfully for him and your job, honoring Jesus in your work, no matter what that work might be, honoring Jesus in any area of your life, whether you are employed or unemployed, you can honor him with your life in every area of your life. These unwise virgins, they were not prepared. The word of God is for us to be prepared this morning, which takes me to my second thought in the text. Say a word about the wise virgins. So I won't walk through the whole text again, but just notice the wise virgins, they had their oil for their lamps. And Jesus concludes the story in verse 13 by giving us this exhortation. Watch out. Therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. Question. Still with me? Hang with me. You're going to learn some stuff, all right? I'm a teacher preacher. Hang with me. Here's a question for you. What day are you talking about? Well, he's not talking about the parable anymore. He concludes from that to talk about another day. And that day is the judgment that's coming at the end of history. Notice, for example, back in chapter 25, verses 36 to 44. I won't read all of these verses, but just notice in verse 36, Jesus says, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, nor even the, son of, uh, nor even the angels, nor the Son, but the Father only. Verse 37, for as were the days of Noah so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 42, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. What's he talking about? He's talking about the second coming. Why should Christians stay awake? Because Jesus is coming back to judge us. 
And how do we stay awake? By living in obedience to him. So in conclusion, let me give you a few practical applications as to how to be ready. The way you get prepared for Jesus to come is not by isolating yourself from the world and living a monastic life. We're in the world, not of the world. One way you can prepare yourself for the coming of the king as a believer is rely upon the Holy Spirit. Do you do that? The Spirit is a part of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. We ask the Spirit to help us. Help us do what? To walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's the lust of the flesh. Arrogance. Pride. Selfishness. Sexual sin. If you are a believer and you struggle with any of those things, here's what you should do. Spirit, help me to stop and to look for some Christians who can help you walk through those struggles, right? Second practical way you can prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord and be ready, be involved. Hear this, brothers and sisters. Be involved in the life of the church. I need sojourn to help me follow Jesus until the end. Without sojourn, I will fall away. We need the church. And one thing God gives us in the church is community groups where you get in living rooms with people and you do life on life with people. Are you in a community group? Maybe if you're not, you're missing out on a means by which to help you be ready. Related to that, sitting regularly under the preaching of the word of God. My wife and I have been members here for a few months, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. God has used this church and the brothers and sisters here to help us love Jesus more in ways that we would not have if we weren't here. And one thing he's used is preaching. And people living out that preaching by showing my wife and me that they love us. The means by which you can be ready is sit under some preaching here regularly. You okay? <laughs> you, you want me to calm down? Because I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm almost done because I'm watching the clock. Third application, fight against sin. If you want more on that, come to the 1130. <laughs> Final application, suffering. Some of us, including me, we doubt and we struggle with sin when we suffer. I just experienced this recently where I had to remind myself that regardless of the pain that I experienced in that moment, that God has something in store in this pain that I don't see. And so one, one thing I want you to hear this morning is this. 
If you're suffering, God can use that as a means by which he keeps you. And if you're suffering, you need the people of God to help you not to let go of the promises and therefore let go of the wedding feast. You remember that story I told you at the beginning about my wedding? After it was over, we partied in a Christian way. (laughs) We ate. We're brothers and sisters. There's a greater wedding feast coming. And if you are a Christian today, God will keep you until that feast. If you're not a Christian today, you can turn from your sin right now, embrace Jesus right now, and enter into the kingdom of God right now and inherit the whole world and inherit God's big old feast with King Jesus at the top of that banquet. Amen. Let's pray.